Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. First Sunday of October, and in the beginning of a new month, we like to actually give a shout out to our podcast listeners around the world and, and give a little bit of a highlight for some movers and shakers, some countries that are uh, moving in uh, and up in our top 10. So check this out. This, this I did not see coming, and I did not see any of this coming. First of all, uh, we had two countries make their way into our top 10 uh, listeners in September. Uh, Debuting at number 10, Uganda. Did I say that right? Don't judge me. Uh, number six, Germany. So uh, willkommen to our, uh, our uh, new uh, top 10 audience in Germany. Get this, Kenya at number four. Sasa to our friends in Kenya. Mungu Akabariki, we love that. Come on. Yeah, all right, there we go. You underappreciate it. When any Muzungu doesn't, doesn't screw the pooch on trying to speak Swahili, it's, it deserves a round of applause. And number two, making their debut into the top 10. And number two, and I, this I did not see coming, but hello, the Russian Federation. I don't even know where that is. Russia? Never heard of them. But I love it. So welcome to those listening via our podcast. And we just love that God can take us here in Perth, metro area, and connect with you around the world. And uh, there's one church globally. There's one kingdom globally. And we all have different parts to play and different places to play it. But God can use that and does use that. So just fantastic. Hey, I wonder how many of you have seen the film 127 Hours? Anyone seen the film? Mitch, really? Okay, top of the class, Kelly. Uh, Francis, I, sorry, I know you're all brilliant, but I literally did expect no, no hands to go up. But well played, the four of you, three of you have seen it. Uh, it's directed by Danny Boyle. Um, in fact, we've got the, the, the cover art here. Got the cover art here? Obviously not. Um, lead role played by James Franco. Uh, and here's the thing. If you haven't seen it, which most of you have uh, confirmed me, and you have a weak stomach, this is me giving you a loving PSA, if you have a weak stomach, do not watch it, okay, all right, because it tells a slice of the life of a, of a guy named Aaron Rolston, 127 hours, as the name of the film suggests, Aaron Rolston, Aaron Rolston uh, was a 23-year-old uh, American who went hiking on his own in the canyons of Utah, now, just by the way, another PSA, do not go hiking on your own in the canyons of Utah. And here's why. Because whilst canyoneering on his own, Aaron Rolston, uh, uh, a 300 kilogram boulder got dislodged and rolled and pinned his right arm to the canyon wall. Five days later, having run out of food and water and now existing by drinking his own urine, and this isn't the bit that, the weak stomach part kicks in, by the way. He realized that the only way he was going to survive, the only way he was going to get out of there alive was he was going to have to break his forearm and then slice it off and then hike 
hopefully, to, to safety. So that's exactly what he did. He broke his forearm and then using a pair of pliers and a pocket knife, he worked his way through his forearm. Listen, I, I, we've already had this conversation. Okay, fair enough. All right, well. But I'm, but I'm explaining why. Anyway, eventually he found, stumbled across a family who were camping uh, not too far from where he had been stuck and they were able to get him the emergency help he required. And he wrote a book uh, of his ordeal, which the movie was then based on the book. The book was called, as you would expect, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. The reason I share that isn't so that you might lose your breakfast. I share that because this, this image of what he experienced is actually how I see some people living, either in a season of their life or it's actually come to define their life. This idea of being trapped, this idea of something have, having happened to us that we didn't wish for, that we didn't plan for, that we didn't hope for, and maybe in some cases didn't even deserve, and yet we find ourselves in that situation can often lead us to feeling trapped. Something someone did to us, something someone said to us, something we did to ourselves, something that we said to ourselves, these often start to inform the narrative. And some of you know what I'm talking about. The narrative in your mind starts to move from living free, which is Jesus' best, to start to feeling like we're trapped, we're defined by the circumstances. And I want to show you a little, uh, a little pattern that I think some of you may resonate with that is often the default for when people are trapped. And it, and it simply goes like this. When people are trapped, the default moves to understand, control, fix. When you're stuck, understand, then control, and then fix. And what I want to do this morning is just break this down and hopefully show you how mostly futile this approach is. So let's start with understand. And Steve actually dropped this one last week. When something happens to us that we didn't ask for, plan for, hope for, pray for, deserve, expect, that's less than, than ideal, that's less than, that's that's caused us to be disappointed, that's caused us to feel trapped. It's quite natural and quite common to ask the question, why? Why did this happen to me? Why did I lose the job even though I thought I was doing everything my boss asked of me? Why did my marriage break up even though I, I really felt like I brought everything I could to this relationship? Why in my fleet of children that I've loved all the same and treated all the same, why is one of them making unwise choices even though the others who grew up in the same environment are actually doing a lot better? And it's not that this is a bad question because sometimes you find the answer. You're like, oh, oh, the company was downsizing. Oh, well, I, I, I wish I hadn't been the one that they downsized, but okay, at least I understand that now. So sometimes when we ask the question why, we do find understanding. So I'm not ever saying to you it's, it's, a, it's a dumb question or it's an entirely futile question. It can work, but here's the thing. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you sit around scratching your head and scratching your head and asking why and asking God why and asking other people why and, and you actually end up crickets. No firm answer 
to that question. And, and it's actually, that's the beginning of feeling trapped. When we don't have an understanding of why something happened to us that caused us to be in circumstances that are less than what we would consider to be ideal and God's best, that's the beginning of feeling trapped. That's, the, that, that's, that's, that's where we start to lament. Oh, I don't deserve this. Well, this one, it's just not fair. Fine. <laughs> Probably right. I've worked so hard and yet here I am again. And Steve put out the big idea last week that, that actually don't just get stuck asking why when you're feeling trapped. Start asking who. Start asking who can actually get me out of here. Who actually understands even when I don't understand? Who's got a better plan? Who can bring hope? Who's got a strategy here? Or, or, or this one, and I love this one. Who speaks a better word? over me than the one that I'm currently speaking to myself. And I wanna tell you, I think the answer is Jesus. Jesus has got a better plan. Jesus has got a better strategy. Jesus has got hope. Jesus speaks a better word over your life and your circumstances. Jesus is king. If you've got the Bible app on your device, and I know some of you have, have Bibles as well, you can use them, that's okay. Um, we're also gonna put them on the screens, but I'm gonna take us to, this is the same letter that Steve taught from last week. He taught from something from chapter one. Now, these weren't written in chapters. This was just a letter, but we've sliced and diced it to make it easier to Google search. Uh, that's not the reason, by the way. Um, Google searching means you don't actually have to know. But anyway, a letter to, from a guy named Paul, Founded a lot of the church locations around the known world in the early uh, years of the church. This is in a place called Colossae. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. The Colossians was the audience. Now, understand he's writing to a group of Jesus followers, okay? So the assumption is that they're already followers of Jesus. And I'll, I'll explain why that matters in a second. But let me let us drop us into chapter two. I'm reading from the message version and I'll start at to verse nine. And Paul wrote this, everything... Of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. Everything of God gets expressed in Jesus so you can see and hear God clearly. I'm gonna tell you a preacher joke. And this preacher joke is awful. So I want you to know that, that I already know it's awful. And when I tell it, you're going you're gonna to say, well, that was awful. But understand that I know it's awful. So I'm not telling you this expecting a laugh. I'm telling you this expecting you to send me the eye roll emoji. Okay, so, so there's this girl in primary school. And uh, the class has been given a project to draw something. And the teacher said, just draw whatever you want. Just, you know, freestyle drawing, just draw whatever you want. And while they're drawing, the teacher's walking around looking and inspecting everyone's work and comes up to, to this particular girl in the class and says to the girl, ah, what, 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 is it, what exactly are you drawing? And the little girl said, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, well, that's not possible. Nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said, well, they will when I'm finished. <laughs> it's pretty awful, right? Nicolette, out of 10, minus seven. 
Listen, this, that joke was so bad that I didn't include it in our online experience. So uh, I'm like, I can't, boy, you'll never be able to unwatch that. So that's not the point that Paul's making. The point that Paul's making, if you want to know what, is that if you want to know what God's like, look to Jesus. Look to what Jesus did. Look to what Jesus said. Look to what Jesus taught. Look to the miracles that Jesus performed. Look to the character of Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see God. All right. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. When you come to Him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Now he says this, when you come to him, remember I said a moment ago, Paul was writing this to people who were already Jesus followers. So he's saying to them, when you come to him, basically he's really saying when you came to him and as you continue to follow him. But upstream, there's a very important question. It's if you come to him. See, in our context this morning, some of you may not have yet put your faith in Jesus. You may not have declared Jesus to be the king of your life. So for you, you're not up to the when you come to him part. You're up to the if you come to him part. And I wanna invite you and I wanna strongly encourage you to come to him, to say to Jesus, Jesus, I wanna put my faith in you. I commit to trust you. And I don't just want you to be the king. I want you to be my king. And then when you do, when you do, Something incredible happens. That fullness comes together for you too. However, let's real talk for a second, shall we? When you're trapped, chances are this isn't what you're thinking. Well, this feels like the fullness of Jesus. No, you're thinking this feels like crap, right? That's the point. When you're trapped, it doesn't feel like fullness at all. It feels like abandonment. It feels like, is anyone coming? Am I ever gonna get out of this? Is this as good as it's gonna get for me? And yet the promise is that even when things happen to us that aren't ideal, Jesus still sees us exactly the same way. His promises don't fade. They don't shift. They don't change. He doesn't start speaking a lesser word. He continues to speak a better word even in circumstances that are less than ideal. I got this here. Now, for those of you under 30, this is cash. Uh, it's like Bitcoin, but you can touch it, okay? So just, just, so you, just so you understand, right? So everyone following me? Probably you heard about this in history class or, or pre-COVID-19 class. Anyway, this is, this is Aussie 50 bucks. Everyone know that? Like, I'm not about to gonna go David Copperfield on you or anything like that. It's 50 bucks. It was 50 bucks when I came in here. It's 50 bucks. 50 bucks. We all agreed? If I was to give this to you, would you take it? Right. Is, is anyone? Forget it. Okay. I'm going to assume you would. And the reason you would take it is because this is worth 50 bucks. And this is going to buy you and someone else maybe a nice lunch. This is going to maybe fill up, mostly fill up your tank of petrol. This is gonna, it's because it's 50 bucks. It's worth 50 bucks. Its value is 50 bucks. All right. If I was to do this to it, which I think is borderline illegal, but nevertheless, if I was to do this to it, 
and then offer it to you, would you still take it? Yeah. Why? Well, of course you would. Because it's still worth 50 bucks, even though it's been dinged and buckled and crumpled, its value hasn't changed. Its worth hasn't changed. So I put it on the, the, the stage. We don't clean this stage more than about once a decade, I think. That's what the team tell me. And if I was to stomp on it and trample on it and kick it about and get it dirty and then pick it up and then put it in my... No, I'm not going to do that. And then I was to offer it to you, would you still take it? Yes. Well, if you said no, you're an idiot because its value has not diminished at all. And so it is for you. So it is for you when life crumples you up. So it is for you when life treads on you. So it is for you when things don't go the way you had hoped. In Jesus' eyes, your value does not ever diminish. And you need to understand that. And listen to him, because he always speaks a better word than your circumstances. He always speaks a better word than the negative narrative that can become the narrative that starts to inform your identity. Jesus always speaks a better word because Jesus is king. And then we move from understand into control. Now, full disclosure, this, this second one has been a massive journey for me because I, yes, my name is Mark and I am a recovering control freak, okay? It's true. I'm a recovering control freak. And listen, before you get Judge Judy on me, some of you are as well. And I'm gonna talk to you because I'm gonna share a bit of my journey and I hope it's gonna help some of your journey. See, control is not, again, just like there's a place for understanding and asking why, there's also a place for trying to exert a level of control. And some of you will default to that naturally, as do I. And here's why I do, and, and I wonder if you, this, you might be able to identify with this. I default involuntarily most of the time to control because I'm very analytical. So when I see something that's not kind of working right, I start to slice it and dice it in my head, figure out, try to figure out why it's not working. I'm also very pragmatic, so I don't just wanna know why it's not working. I, I, I start to then move into, well, how can we fix it? How can we improve it? How can we make it better? And I'm also activistic. I'm intrinsically motivated. You don't need to stick a rocket up my butt to get me moving. If I can slice and dice and get some level of understanding of why it's not working, if I can get some sort of plan around how we might be able to fix it, I'm also just gonna get busy fixing it. It's not someone else's job, I'm in. And that's a great strength. That's a great strength in your workplace. That's a great strength in your marriage. That's a great strength with raising your kids. That's a great strength with managing your finances. Until... It isn't. Because the thing about every great superpower is when it's misapplied or when it's over-applied, it's no longer a superpower. It starts to become your kryptonite. You know this, and this is true about any strength. Any of your strengths, when they're taken beyond 
the limit that God intended for them, they start to become your weakness. So I've had to embrace that, that, that being willing and able to try and control some things and make a, a contribution to, to the solution is actually a good thing most of the time until it's not. Now, if you are someone who may identify as a control freak, and it's a pretty harsh word, but it's pretty accurate as well. So let's just say that. Uh, some of it might be motivated by what I just said. You know, you're analytical, you're pragmatic, you're activistic. So I'll, I'll keep leaning into that. I will, it's important I say the other thing. Some of it's motivated by some pretty bad fuel. Can be, sorry, can be motivated by some pretty bad fuel. Fear can be the fuel for some people being a control freak, and that's bad fuel. That burns dirty. All right, so just you know, know that about that. Insecurity is bad fuel for the reason some people default to being a control freak, it's, and, I don't, and I don't have time to get into that, okay? Um, and that was a part of my fuel, so I'll tell you that. It has been a part of my fuel in the past. Because um, here's the thing. Here I am, Mr. Analytic, Mr. Pragmatic, Mr. Activistic. And sometimes I think, I got this. And, and I turn out that I was right. I did. And we fixed it. Didn't even need Bob the Builder. And then some other times I discover that I don't got this. And it's just as broke as it was before I get into it. And sometimes even broker because of my contribution. <laughs> And what should come as a relief to us is God doesn't call us to control everything. He says that He will take control, that He will go ahead of us. And, and it's paradoxical because if you're a control freak, you're like, well, that freaks me out even more. Like, yeah, I, I, I've been there. I get it. But it's this journey that, that we can actually get to a place where we find incredible relief that we don't have to control everything, that we can actually say, Jesus, take the wheel and move into the passenger seat and know that he's gonna drive this thing way better than you ever could. But sometimes, because we're so bent on control, we don't let him take the wheel. Paul reminds us in this letter, his power extends over everything. My power doesn't extend over everything. Sorry to break it to you, people. Your power doesn't extend over everything. Jesus' power extends over everything. And then the final one, fix. And this is like redundant. I mean, I'm gonna just quickly drill into it, but it's kind of like, I, I'm almost, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to waste the next minute of your life, okay? So sorry about that. Because if you can't understand everything and you can't control everything, then guess what, people? You can't fix everything. <laughs> well, that's the bad news. Yeah, it's the bad news. But the good news is that's not what God calls us to. He didn't just put us on this earth that when we come to be followers of Him, that we're still meant to do everything in our own wits, in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own limitations. But this is the default that many people move to when we start to feel trapped. So I want to put it to you that there's a better way. And with Jesus, there's always a better way because Jesus is king and you and I are not. <laughs> and, and, and the better way is one of the life principles that Louisa, my wife, and I have adopted. It comes from the wisdom of Solomon. 
ancient wisdom, God-given wisdom of Solomon. I want to throw this up right now. It's a better approach than understand, control, fix. It comes from Solomon's written, the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. And if you haven't already highlighted this, underlined this, written it out, stuck it to your, your mirror, stuck it to the dashboard on your car, then this week, like, make that your little craft project. Because this wisdom is a better approach than understand, control, fix. And this is the advice that Solomon gave. When we're stuck, when we're trapped, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Understand that. Listen for God's voice in everything you do instead of trying to control everything you do and everywhere you go. Because his promise is that he's the one that will keep you on track. So here's the better approach than understand, control, fix, is trust, listen, and you'll stay on track. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, because he's the one, not you. I mean, we have a role to play, but we're in the passenger seat. He will keep you on track. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app available wherever you download your apps.